Yo, it is what what is today? Tuesday, May seventh. Uh, about twelve twenty-five is when we're uh, launching this Cyclone Fanatic podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Uh, we're at the Carl Chevrolet Studios today. Uh, discuss, doing a little instant reaction podcast to a, an Iowa State commitment. Actually, been two commitments in the last two days, one with football as well. I would encourage you to go and read. I, uh, I, I put about 500 words into the LaMichael Petway graduate transfer from Arkansas wide receiver commitment to Iowa State yesterday. I uh, published that a couple of hours ago here, and then um, – Jared Stansbury joins me now as we will talk about Caleb Grill committing to the Iowa State basketball program, a 2019 guard. Again, uh, we podcast today presented by our good friends at Carl Chevrolet. You can visit them at The Rock in Ankeny. It's actually a good time of year to buy a car, buy a truck. If you, um, you know, weather's getting nice, you got to have something to, to roll the windows down and impress the honeys, you know, do that sort of thing. Get yourself a new truck. Uh, Silverado. I was actually out at the old Stewart Speedway the other night and drove by uh, Carl Chevrolet in Stewart. So the Stewart International Speedway, that is. Don't want to shortchange our friends in the dirt track racing world. Carl Chevrolet Studios, here we are. Uh, Caleb Grill commits to Iowa State. Jared, what is your initial reaction? What's up, man? Uh, I'm just thinking about this here. Iowa State right now has 11 players, I think, on their team. Next year, seven of them will be freshmen or sophomores as of right now with two more scholarships open. Yeah. Just had a young team. Can have another young team. That's just kind of how it goes anymore. Um, and that, that sounds like Kentucky. Well, it was a tough break, though, that both of those guys left. Yeah. You know, you thought one of them would. I thought one of them would stay. And then that really neutralizes it. You. Iowa State could still here in the next couple of weeks hit on Ray John Tucker. I think they're going to be right down um, to the wire on that one. I do think Iowa State has a realistic chance there. I think, I the, think... Pro- the problem with him is is will he even go to school at all? Correct. You know, that's from what I understand would be maybe the biggest catching point was if he, obviously he's in the NBA draft. He maybe will not even go to a school at all next year, just stay in the draft. Yeah, a uh, valid point to make. So he's he's an option, and I do think, um, you know, as Iowa State missed over the last week on Wheeler and uh, who's the other? Clarence Nadolny. And, and Clarence Nadolny, who went to Texas Tech. Um, you know, we kind of thought the last time we, we sat down and did this, Jared, get one of the three. Mm-hmm. You know, that that you got to get one of the three. They did. They land on Caleb Grill. And we'll analyze that here in a little bit. But then you wanted to get a graduate transfer, which those are still out there. Um, and I do think a couple other names are going to surface here in the next week or so that are going to be legitimate options for Iowa State who could come in and contribute right away. I want to make sure my reporting on that is solid before I release those names. Um, but if you let's say that they get Grill and Rajon Tucker, that's a hell of a spring period. Yeah. Well, and if you can get in a guy like Rajon Tucker, I mean, he's someone who averaged 20 points a game last season at Little Rock. Obviously, that was a bad Little Rock team. Uh, Chris Beards last year at Little Rock, they went like 30-5. and five. I don't think they've won 30 games in the year since Chris Beard left Little Rock. So that's not a good team. I don't think it would quite be a Jeff Beverly situation where he was 
you know, I think he averaged 16 or something yeah. at UTSA that one year. No, I think this kid's legit. You I could, do too. You could come in. You could expect him to at least replace the production, I think, lost by Lindell Wigginton. And really, the thing that messed this entire situation up, I think, you know, just from talking to people is that it it really was the one with Taylor. You know, uh, no one expected Lindell to be back for his junior year, but I don't think anybody could have expected Taylor to be a one and done guy that could have been going in the top twenty of the NBA draft. Taylor didn't even believe that he was no. that guy, and he's talked about it, right? And that's that's what I I think really threw people through a loop, where all of a sudden you're going to search for three scholarships in this yeah. in this period, and you're not really preparing for that because you're not anticipating Taylor Horton Tucker going and being a guy that. You know, if the right team liked him, could I think could jump into the the bottom half of the lottery. I like the grill pickup in this sense. You know, his basketball game more than I do. I know the the macro side of this equation more. I like the sense that he is a good culture guy who will fit with prom, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's important. We we did um, in in the sense that he probably a four year guy who. I don't know. Again, I'm going to let you analyze this basketball game more so. But I, oftentimes in the spring period, it's tough to get good quality guys to fit within a culture, to right. fit within a program. Caleb Grill grew up an Iowa State fan. He grew up a disciple of the Hoiberg era, loved watching Iowa State play basketball down there in the state of Kansas, fell in love with Hilton Coliseum, watching Big Mondays. This is a really good plug-and-play guy when it comes to the culture and fitting in with what Iowa State currently has. That's rare to find in the spring period. That's why I like this. Well, and if you think about the guys that they've gotten in the spring period in the last five years nah. now, uh, Brady Ernst. Brady Ernst will be going to, I think, his fourth college yeah. next year. He's going to Drake, right? Yeah, Drake. Uh, Simeon Carter. I have no idea where Simeon Carter is playing. I think somewhere in Georgia. Uh I mean, Mariel Shayok and Mike Jacobson obviously both worked out, but they were both they were transfers, sit-out transfer different. guys, which is different. Prentice Nixon, I think, will work out. But again, it's the same situation where it's a sit-out transfer guy. And then all the other graduate transfers that they've gotten in recent years have not really worked out Holden. very well. Yeah, Holden. Uh, Bowie. The, the sad fact of the matter is that Daryl Bowie probably is the most— That's a good point. —the highest impact graduate transfer that they've gotten in the Steve Prom era. And— uh, I mean, I guess maybe Zoran Talley. I, I don't know. that He was a summer guy, though, because I remember talking to him before going to Cap City. Uh, he was just a wait like and see if June. he could be eligible type right. guy. Uh, but um, if you can go and get a guy like Caleb Grill, and I, I've already seen some people on Twitter, you know, this is obviously a win because of the timing and all this, I think is what someone said. It's like, but does this really constitute a win now because he's the 490th player in the class? Number 70 point guard. My first thing with that, one, he's not a true point guard. He probably played point guard in high school because he was the best player on the team. He didn't play for a big school. I mean, Mays is, ha- is like the size of Clarinda. Yeah. We looked that up that one day. It would It's like playing at Clarinda, basically, in the middle of nowhere in the state He's of probably Kansas. more of a natural two. Exactly. He's more of a natural two. He's a combo guard. He's a guy that can play a, a couple different positions. He's in the Matt Thomas mold. I mean, that's, what, that's exactly what... I well, would you look hope at he turns you, you hope that and the dude can really shoot the ball. He's pretty athletic. And you for, know he's going to work his ass off is the key with a guy like that. Right. And and he's my, got a little Condit and Halliburton to him in that sense that he's he has that pedigree at least with Condit where wanted to be an Iowa State guy. Right. I always say this, I've said this for 10 years. Those guys 
are going to be much more willing to put in the work and to grind things out than, you know, I usually use it as a football example, than some flyer in Florida who doesn't mm-hmm. even know where Iowa's at on a map. Well, yeah, and, and two, I've talked to the kid. I know that he's going to be a kid that people are going to like. I mean, yeah, he he's not Tyrese. Or he's not George Niang or Naz Mishu Long. I mean, few people are like those kinds of guys. But he's someone that people will gravitate to. I think it's important, too. I, what I always – do with recruiting is I want to see who else wanted a right. guy. And if if TJ Otzelberger, Bruce Weber, and Greg McDermott were the guys after him, I'm okay with that. And I mean Chris Beard offered him. Chris like Beard in, offered in, him in the summer. Good yeah. point. I forgot about that. Chris Beard was on him. Um the fact that TJ knew his game enough to want to bring him to with him to Vegas. Yeah. That's telling to me. And the fact that Bruce Weber, team that just won the conference Right. Yeah, yes, they yeah. just won the conference. That's in his backyard. That they were so in on him is a good sign. I think when you're looking at this objectively, right? And that's that's where it's like you can't look at the numbers and be like, oh, this. What does this mean? Like I said, he didn't. It's not like he played. He's not out here playing the greatest competition. And and two, I I read the story that C.J. Moore did for the Athletic about Caleb. Yeah, it was really good. Where you break? Where he basically breaks down why. His recruitment wasn't that big because he didn't play on a he didn't play on a, a circuit team you no. know on the shoe circuit with somebody in Kansas City or something like that. He played with like a team from his hometown. He's a rare like guy where in in this day and age of big time college basketball where the high school program still matters. Right, and that's and very it, rare. That that probably has something to do with the fact that his dad is the coach of his high school. The so. last time I remember that, it's funny you mentioned the last time I remember a guy. And I've covered Iowa State basketball recruiting a long time. The last time I remember a high school program really mattering was Matt Thomas. Yeah, I think that, that is was the, the, the Unalaska guy. Like, yeah. and then before that, it was it was my main man Nate Oates when he was at Romulus and with Will Clyburn and Dominique Buckley. I mean, other than, I'm serious. Other than that, I don't remember the last time a high school program was relevant in a recruitment. Yeah, and that's where I think. Like I said, I think that you can look at this and That's why it fits Matt Thomas Trump. is the most apt comparison. And two, man, now, don't the, get me I, wrong. Thomas was big time on the AAU right, circuit, yeah. But, but he, he was a played, kid who yeah. still really was involved in his high school team. And yeah, Monte to an extent, but he was more of an AAU guy. Right. Thomas played with like a shoe circuit team though, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah, went out. Yeah. And he did that in the summer. Right. But I remember like when I was covering his recruitment because you you do this when you're you know really in the teeth of cover you have sources all around these guys and I remember with with Thomas it was his high school coach was my guy mm-hmm. like that was the guy running the show it wasn't a AAU coach wasn't it? it was it was the high school coach and that's just super rare these yeah. days one of the, the things I thought was funniest about Grill was it just it was like his senior year he just decided he was gonna play baseball like he's one of those kids, yeah. you know, one just like a, a guy who's just like I'm a in Maze, Kansas. Hyper, what the hell else am I? Yeah, getting? like a hyper athlete where it's just like, oh, they asked me to play baseball. I guess I'll play baseball. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, the other thing too, man, think back to a month and a half ago at the end of the season, Taylor Horton Tucker announces that he's going to the NBA draft, and how many people there were that he's not ready. He's not ready. And I would say fans just in general do not gravitate to the one and done type person no this, this is a kid that right now you're gonna sit here and be like man he's not rated that high or something like that well you're you, the kids that are rated that high 
are the ones that when the season ends, you're sitting here crapping on because they're, you think they're not ready to go play in the NBA when they're just trying to do what they got to do. My guess is it's a vocal minority. I, I, I would guess the overwhelming majority of fans will be very, very happy about this, and, and you should be considering um, timing, considering who else wanted them, considering just everything involved. Um, and this was important. I mean, after missing out on the first two, you had to land one of the three, as we hammered out weeks ago, and yeah. and Prom did. So, give him um, give him credit for that. And then you see where it goes in the graduate transfer market. Yeah, I mean, I think that right now with the two scholarships open, if you can get one one graduate transfer that you think can really come in and help you next year, you can bank that other one and get a guy that can. If you have to take a sit out, dude then do it. And that's what I thought was interesting that Prohm said on Friday. They've learned their lesson, I think, on the graduate transfer thing, where it's like, if we can't go and get one that's really going to make a major impact for us on day one, they're not going to do it. They're, they the will market be willing has changed so much right. on that. Yeah. And they'll be, they'll be willing to take a sit-out guy knowing that he's going to help them and make a major impact for them down the road rather than just pass on him because of the fact that he won't be able to play next year. Uh, Carl Chevrolet Studios here, Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Stands and fits will be coming up tomorrow. And I do have big news coming, and I don't want to release it just yet. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. Big news with the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Big big moves being made by the CF Podcast Network in yes. the month of May. It'll be uh, – if you're a frequent listener and downloader of our podcast, and there's tens of thousands of you who are, this will be an earth-shattering move for you. I really believe so. Yeah. I don't want to overhype. Yeah. Earth shattering is that too strong? Yeah. No, I think that that that's I mean, pretty. In, in Cyclone Fanatic podcast terms, this would be this is about as big as it could probably get. <laughs> I, yeah, and, and I'm, I'll I'll say right now, you're not getting Matt Campbell outside of <laughs> yeah. getting a weekly podcast with Matt Campbell. I would say that this is about as good as you can do. Um, well, let's do a quick hit on the wide receiver from yesterday. Again, I wrote all about this. Uh, you can go and read that in depth. At the front page, CycloneFanatic.com. Jared, I think that this is a, um, you know, it's I did the Athlon mm-hmm. preseason deal. And I... Why did they put that mag out so early? Because it's like well, they outdated have to. already. They have to. Yeah. Now they'll get this correction in. I did talk to the editor today. Okay, so that's, that's, good, then. that's a good thing. But barely. Like, we're making it by like two days. Oh, okay. Before we go to print. Going to print, yeah. Um, I mean... Because the thing is, like, my deal is due before the spring game right. every year. So it's it's really difficult to put out, like, a two-deep and whatever. Yeah. But I always kind of like to – because in, in, in our world, everything's so in-depth. Like, we don't really serve the water cooler fan- – I want to, but it's – the diehards tend to gravitate to us. Yeah. So we often get caught in the weeds. It's always a good deal for me to write this preview because it's like I'm writing for the most casual fan who knows nothing about Iowa State football. Mm-hmm. I'm writing for a you know, a Kansas State fan who's reading up on the Cyclones or whatever. So it's a good thing for me to do because I can sit back at the roster and go, okay, really where are the strengths and weaknesses right. w- without being too invested into the product. And the one thing that really did stand out to me this year was a, was a threat on the outside – at receiver that's not a freshman. And I know that there's freshmen, but I don't. as I wrote in the piece today, I don't trust freshmen. I'm done trusting freshmen. I used to trust freshmen. I refuse to trust freshmen anymore until they go out and prove it to me, a la Brock Purdy, right? Mm-hmm. Now I, I trusted him. I don't trust summer JUCOs. I don't trust freshmen. I don't trust women after midnight. That's how I roll. Well, I wasn't going to trust Joseph Skates, 
and I wasn't going to trust Sean Shaw until I saw something from them. Iowa State plugs it in with a six foot two, two hundred and twenty pound graduate transfer. I don't know what he's going to be, but I do know he's a better option than what they currently had going into the summer, which opens things up drastically for two guys who I do trust, Tariq Milton and um, Deshante Jones. Yeah. On the inside, this is a guy who can block. He can catch passes. He played for a terrible team, so I think he probably has a little upside that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, and I think that that's what you you look at that Arkansas team last year. You know, Chad Morris comes in trying to run the the air raid, and uh, he uh, he had whatever five hundred yards or something like that. But I mean, I think they were so bad, and they had one good guy. Yeah. It's like what what can you really do? You know. So I definitely agree. I mean, I think that uh, it's going to add another another level to that Iowa State. Uh, that Iowa State offense, and I think that does answer one of the questions that everybody really seemed to have here uh, coming out of the spring. And, you know, the running back spot's probably going to be the main one now that people are really going to wonder about, but I think that you've got to feel pretty good about that, knowing what we've heard about Brees Hall, knowing what we've seen already in the past from Kenei and Johnny Lang and Sheldon Crony. I'm not that concerned about that position. I'm, I'm I think not that either. it can work out. I mean, I, and right now, you look at this team where – yeah, okay, LaMichael Petway is a little he, – he hasn't been here. That's fine. But it's a he's great played name three too, years – oh, yeah. Is that, you know LaMichael Petway is a good football player. Oh, yeah. It, Just look at him, though. Yeah. Like, he's he's a hoss on the outside. I'd rather have a guy who looks like that than, no offense, but like – than Eaton. Yeah. He's just like kind of tall and lanky, you know? You see the picture of Matt Eaton and Alan yeah. Lazard together yeah, in the Green was, Bay jerseys, though? That was cool. Dan- beware, other, beware NFC North. Other uh, than the fact backs. that they're wearing Packers jerseys. Yeah. That's fine with. But this is a guy, I just think that one of the things that was my biggest concern with either of the freshmen was blocking on the outside. Yeah. Because Butler was really good at that. And I was really concerned about throwing a freshman out there to do that in the sense of what they're going to need for the running game. This is a guy I know can do that. Yeah. You just look at him. I think we'll see those two guys, though, still. Oh, I do, too. Yeah. I'm not yeah. I'm not writing them off. No. I just I like going into the season knowing that I don't have to rely on a freshman compared to right. having to. Right. And to your last note that you made in, in what you don't trust, I especially don't trust women after midnight after the DMX after party. <laughs> Uh, hell of a night. We'll have to do a um, – whenever we bring the Saturday podcast back, we'll do a Tales from the DMX after party. Man, yeah, what I remember of it. What a deal. I remember everything. That's why you just sip on drinks like like I do instead of just, you know, you don't have to have the four beers done in 25 minutes like you do. Why? Because <laughs> you just remember things and you enjoy it a lot more. I remember everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at least shapes of it. All right. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. Jared will have stands and fits coming up tomorrow. I've got a podcast on Thursday morning with um, Charter and Nick Meyer. And then um, the I hope to have this podcast news for you guys later in the week. It's all done. We're trying to figure out, like, names and, like, times and, like, when it's going to happen and scheduling and all that stuff. But uh, really looking forward to it. I think you guys will really enjoy it. All right. For Jared Stansbury, I'm Chris Williams here with a little uh, breaking news podcast. Little emergency. I like calling them emergency podcasts, although this is not a bad emergency. Iowa State gets two commitments within the span of 48 hours. Uh, always interesting to talk about. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you guys later.